I feel like I always start the times I get to talk with you with some sort of confession or broad statement. I think it's becoming a habit. So my kind of confession slash broad statement for today is that I have like a problem with the title we normally apply to this scripture passage. I don't know if you know this, but most chapter and verse bits in the Bible, most headings were not originally in the manuscripts. Those are just people kind of adding that to help us with reading and, uh, and comprehending and understanding all the little stories that are in there. And so someone put down the header, the story of the Good Samaritan, which was a great title. But now in popular culture, we use the phrase Good Samaritan in a specific way that I think has changed the meaning. I think Good Samaritan now has this connotation in it of some very benevolent, powerful person. I am powerful. Stooping down to a very lowly, needy person. I am in help. Help me. I'm in need. And, and, and that's not originally what that title meant, but I think that's how we tend to use it if you hear it in the news or in pop culture is we say Good Samaritan. And sometimes we mean that. So I have beef with the title, Good Samaritan. And instead, would like to promote, propose something a little bit more level playing field, which I think is more in line with what Jesus is talking about in this story. And let's just call it the parable of the good neighbor. Because neighbors are on an equal playing field. Neighbors have equal value. Neighbors are sharing with each other. Even if you're the neighbor in need, people are sharing with you. There is benevolence involved in this, but you are also giving back in whatever way you can. It is not a one-way street, and it is a much more level playing field. And the reason I mention that is because a lot of times I think when we're sharing about a service trip or a missions trip, we can easily fall into this rut of, oh, look at all these good things I did for all these people who needed me. And while you did do good things, we did do good things, we built some stuff, like we did things, I want to try and get us more into this attitude of neighbor kindness and level playing field. And so I really, really want to share some stories through that lens today, rather than a look at all the amazing things we did. And then in a bit, they're also going to share a little bit of stories. So you're going to get plenty of stories about our time in Appalachia. So for those of you who may not remember, we spent a week, what was it, two, three weeks ago? In Appalachia, we were in Dickinson County, Virginia for a week. We went with the United Methodist Church of LaGrange and we worked on some stairs and some handrails. We removed some existing handrails that needed some repair, removed some existing stairs that needed some repair and built new stairs, new handrails and some of us had never touched any of these types of tools before this trip in our lives. <laughs> so, I just want to share a little bit of stories that I found that really impacted me in this week of neighbors being neighbors. And the first is just with the church that allowed us to join them. First United Methodist Church of LaGrange was so, so kind and welcoming. They've been doing this trip for years and years and years. Hattie, the youth director there who in initially invited me to consider going with them, 
She has worked for ASP. I believe she now like sits on the board of ASP. These people are ingrained with ASP. A lot of the adult leaders have been a part of ASP, leading with other teams for tens and twenties of years. And so it would be really easy for them to get stuck in their way of doing it, stuck in their community of doing things, and it could be easy for us to feel like outsiders as we're joining the group. But I don't know about you three, I did not feel like an outsider. I felt so welcomed, I felt so warm, and I came away with a bunch of new friends, whether they were young people or older people who were able to teach me and tell me more and more about what to expect. Which was awesome, because I've never done an ASP trip before in my life. So we had the awesome organization of the ASP staff. For those of you who have gone on these trips, you know they are a very organized organization. But then also on top of that, some amazing organization from LaGrange with Hattie. The second story I want to share with you is related to our homeowners. And basically, we show up on Monday morning. We start unloading our gear. We start walking around, looking, poking around their deck, trying to see, okay, we need to remove this, this way, we need to remove that, that way. I'm trying to think in my head, how do I direct these kids? I'm walking around with Jen, who is our other adult who is helping us. And as I'm doing that, as I'm thinking around stuff, some things are happening in the background and I come back and all of a sudden, we've got like a staging area set up. We have a table. We didn't bring a table. We have a tent. We didn't bring a tent. And I asked, where did all this come from? Well, the homeowners had stepped up and said, hey, it's been really, really hot this week. You are gonna die in this sun. We have a little pop-up tent. We're gonna set that up for you. And so they did. They set up a pop-up tent for us and were neighborly to us, even as we were there, to be neighborly to them. There were a couple other instances like that. They brought out puppies for us to play with, these tiny little puppies. Um, they fought away one goat, at least one goat, that was coming for Charlie. <laughs> they had two goats, one with these big old horns, like scary goat. And they said, oh, don't worry about him. Uh, if he comes after you, just run after him with a board. <laughs> and he'll run away from you. Well, Charlie was carrying a water cooler, and they thought it might be food. And so they came after Charlie, and he dropped it and started running. But the homeowner quickly came with the board and was going... <laughs> So they were so neighborly to us. If we needed power, I said, hey, where's your outlet? We had an extension cord. They didn't just show us where the power outlet was. They got their own extension cord, plugged it in, gave it to us so that we could use it. We're constantly asking if there's anything more we need, anything more that we can use. We're letting us use their restrooms and being so, so generous and neighborly. Another example in the week of neighbors being neighborly was the gas station. Now, in more rural, rural areas like the mountains we were in, there wasn't a Walmart just five minutes away. There wasn't an Aldi just 10 minutes away. There wasn't a Jewel Osco anywhere in the state that I know of. And instead, you get most everything you need at the gas station. And so we had this really, really cool rhythm every morning where we'd wake up, we'd load up, make sure we have everything, and drive immediately to the gas station. And we needed to do a couple things at the gas station. We needed to get ice because we needed to fill up our water cooler with water and ice because hydration and not heat sickness is a good thing on a trip like this. 
We had to fill up our lunch cooler, and we grabbed some chips, we grabbed some drinks, and those sorts of things. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we ever paid for a single bucket of ice. Which isn't to say that ice is expensive, but that's a lot of potential profit that they just gave away to us. And I think they've been doing this for the six weeks leading up to this because ASP has been there for, that was the seventh week they were there. And we walked in offering to pay for ice and they just said, here you go, to like 10 to 20 different crews every day of that week, which was so generous of them. And they didn't have to do that. So that's another example of people being neighborly. Then finally, each of the kids, we don't have everyone here, but I wanna highlight a little bit from every one of these kids because I cannot tell you how proud I am of them and what they accomplished this week. First is of Jax. Now, for those of you who have not heard yet, I have permission to share that Shannon Sullivan is now going by Jax Sullivan and prefers they, them pronouns. And I'm telling you that now because I know you will love and support them as a member of our church. But Jax was our just absolute beast of a nail and screw remover. <laughs> I don't think you knew that was a learned skill. That's a learned skill, and Jax took to it like so quickly, to the point where some of you were trying to do it later in the week, and they just had to hop in and just yank it out in front of you. It was amazing. Jax did a great job learning and just owning the nail and screw removal. That was so fun to see happen. Carter, you were one of our maestros of the circular saw. That's a scary tool, by the way. And we encouraged every one of them to try it at least once, because it's one of the main tools you have to use on this trip, so you probably should get to know it. But I think Carter took to that particularly well and just jumped right in and was very brave and has most of all of your fingers still, yeah? That's a, that's a success, I would say. Um, Jillian, my shout out for Jillian is, although everyone had to dig holes, and everyone had to dig holes for a while in the rocky soil, I think I had to push Jillian a little bit further and make her keep going even when she wanted to stop. Everyone else kind of got to stop when she wanted to stop, but we were so close to being done. It was so hot, there was so much sun, and I said, Jillian, I just need you to finish this up. And she did, and you did a great job. Again, using a post hole digger when you're not used to using a post hole digger, a learned skill, and I think she did a great job rocking that. Charlie and Andrew, the Carlisle brothers, are our everything stairs champions. They were stuck the first morning doing trigonometry because we didn't have the right square to cut the stringers. They spent all up till lunch figuring out the trigonometry and once they had figured it out, we had the right tool in the afternoon and they had to completely rework their system. But they did a great job rolling with the punches with that. They did a lot of brain work early on and really set us up for success later on in the week. And then one other one that I wanted to particularly highlight as a neighborly example happened during our picnic. There was, during one of the evenings, we had time to invite our homeowners to come be a part of a picnic at the Brakes Interstate Park. And so we invited our homeowners and they said yes. And they brought all their kids, they brought some of their friends and came to our picnic. And they have what? It was a two or three young children three young children, and there was a little playground at the picnic area we were at, and these are just 
high energy kids. I know a lot about high energy kids because I was one. My parents know a lot about it as well. And they were running around playing and I hopped in a little bit and played with them. I think all of us played some tag with them from one time or the other, but I noticed Marin stuck in with the tag I think a little bit longer than the others. And again, I think a lot of people were there playing tag, but in particular, this type of tag was not a fair type of tag because the kids didn't want to play tag. They wanted to be chased. And so if I'm it, I'd run after them. And as you do with little kids, you have to pretend you're trying so hard because you can't keep up to them and then finally maybe tag them and then they're it. And then you have to pretend you're trying so hard to get away from them while they're running after you and they get you. That's a lot of acting effort to begin with. On top of that, if one of the other kids was it and was chasing one of the, you know, one of the teens that was playing with us and one of our kids wanted to be chased, but they weren't being chased by that person, they'd look at you, they'd look at the other person, they'd look at you and they'd say, tag, you're it. And all of a sudden, now you would be it too, because they wanted to be chased. So all, they were divining more people to be it so they could just be chased all around this playground and we were getting sweaty and all that stuff. So I thought it was so cool the way that every single one of these kids hopped into the work, knowing almost nothing about it leading up to it, hopped into loving and caring for the adults in the family, the children in the family, and the general neighborhood we were part of. So those are my stories, but now I'd like to invite each of those, these three that are here with us today to share a little bit about what impacted them or a God moment from the trip. Why don't you three come down? Um, I think my moment was similar to Ben's first story. Uh, Charlie and I were kind of skeptical about the trip because we didn't know that many people from that church and we have such a small uh, youth group from this church. So we were like, oh, we're not gonna know anyone there. So, but everyone there when we first got there, like no one was exclusive. It's a very inclusive group from uh, not only the kids there, but the adults there and even like the people that you meet at the gas station. Um, Charlie almost bought a raccoon from a guy. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. <laughs> but all like, you'd see like coal miners getting off their shift. They wanted to know everything about what we're doing. Um, it was just such a you know, cool opportunity to be that in included in that sort of group. Um, I would say my moment was just like when we got there, um, how excited the homeowners were that we were there and helping them out and whenever we finished When they saw their finished staircase and their handrails, they were super excited and kids were running up and down the stairs and they were excited <laughs> to see it um, Continuing on the kind of neighbor thing um, Going with the other church didn't really know anybody, but I've made a lot of friends there and everybody like when we got there, everybody acted like we've known them for many years and we've just met them a day ago. And it was really nice to see bonds created. All right. Thank you for sharing. You can go sit up now. The last thing I'll say is 
I was spending some time talking with one of my friends who's done mission work um, as like his career and was kind of asking him questions about why do we do these short-term missions trips? Because there's a lot of research out there showing how sometimes if these aren't done right, they can cause harm in the communities they're in. And I kind of was asking, why do we do these? And one of the things that came up while we were talking was related to this like idea of nose blindness. I don't know how many of you notice this, but if you go away on vacation for a week or so, and then come back home and take your first big breath, your house smells like something. And normally your house doesn't smell like something because your brain is fantastic and just gets used to regular sounds and noises and things like that. But if you go away, you separate yourself from it for a minute, you can walk back into it and all of a sudden realize what your house like actually smells like to people who walk into your house. And I think for us, as people who are leaving our homes to be a part of a different community for a week, I think that's one of the main reasons, spiritually, that we do a short-term missions trip, like the ASP trip we do. We go into another community, we experience another way of life, and when we come home, my hope and prayer is that we do a better job of seeing the people who need good neighbors in our actual community that we live in, in the greater community that we're a part of, and with our actual physical neighbors. Again, I cannot say enough how thankful I am and how proud I am of the six kids that we took on this trip. They did a great job. I had an amazingly fun time, and I cannot wait to do it again next year. Amen.